0: So I'd like to thank everybody for coming back to the Stories from Southwest Virginia podcast. And we're going to continue this series on Montgomery County breweries. So we're very excited to continue with part two here today. I have three more wonderful breweries from Montgomery County and representatives to come and talk about their passion behind their craft. So first of all, I'd like to welcome each of you to the podcast today. What we have here is uh, Jim from uh, Bull and Bones. I have Seth from Iron Tree Brewing and Ivan from... And, and Ivan, you might have to correct me on this. Is it is it Bellevue or? It's Bellevue. Bellevue. Okay. You'll yes, have yes. to excuse my Southwest Virginia twang. Sometimes I get a little <laughs> bit off on those. So thank you for that there. And, you know, first of all, welcome to all of you for, uh, and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I know breweries and, and beer in general has always been a passion of mine because I see the passion that you put into your products. And, and we really appreciate that. And that's something I think is very special to your craft. And, and I think we're going to dive into that really well today. So I guess enough of me talking. I'm going to pass things over to, to Jim for a second, just to hit uh, kick things off on his introduction and let everybody listening learn a little bit more about who he is and, and the brewery that he's a part of.
1: Okay, I'm Jim Strickland uh, with Bull and Bones Brewhouse and Grill. Um, we're located in Blacksburg on South Main at the, uh, first in Maine, uh, development near, near Kroger, next door to Kroger. Uh, I've been the brewer there since, uh, 2008 when we opened. Uh, we're kind of a classic, uh, brew pub, um, with a restaurant side and then the, the brewery in the middle behind the bar and then a kind of a sports bar in the middle. Um, and we are especially is kind of smoked meats and, um, uh, um, other items, um, that at our restaurant and, uh, the beers are kind of classic, uh, classic style beers, freshly made, I guess. <laughs>
0: Sounds great. And I definitely want to ask a little bit more about food options, because I noticed that uh, some of you promote like food trucks and things, and then you have some in-house food at some of your locations, too. So we definitely want to talk about some good things to eat as well, because I don't think there's much things that go better with beer than some good food. So I think everybody listening will definitely want to hear that. But thank you so much, Jim, for introducing yourself. And I guess if we're going alphabetically through the list next, I have Seth, if, if you wouldn't mind, to hop on and introduce yourself to everybody listening.
2: Yeah, so I'm Seth Locklear. Um, I'm the uh, head brewer and one of the owners at Iron Tree Brewing Company. Um, We're in Christiansburg, uh, 5 Roanoke Street. We're right behind the courthouse and police station. Um, So, you know, you have a good day at court, you come by, you have a bad day at court, you come by. Um, Works out for us. Um, Yeah, we have a good selection of beer on and uh, yeah, come see us.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And it it seems like a great location to be. So uh, it's definitely like you were saying, if you're having a good or bad day, it's always a great place to go and visit and and come by and have a little drink. So thank you for that. Uh, And Ivan, I guess, uh, last but certainly not least, if you wouldn't mind just to introduce yourself and your your brewery to everybody.
3: Yeah, so I'm Ivan Beliveau. We're at Beliveau Farm uh, Brewery. Our brewery is a subset of our winery brewery operation here. We're up in the northeast corner of Montgomery County, about 12 miles from downtown Blacksburg, on 165 acres, and we make only gluten-free beers.
0: Very nice. That's actually a, a great thing to mention. I, I've... Not heard of a lot of breweries that offer gluten-free options, but I know some gluten-free people myself, so I'm sure they're very appreciative that uh, there are beers they can go out and enjoy. So that's that's a wonderful uh, thing to throw out to everybody. So again, thank you all for joining, and I guess we'll move right along to the first question here, and I guess what we'll do this time is we'll try to mix things up a little bit, and we'll just go in reverse order what we just did. So we'll start back with you again, Ivan, and I guess... What I want to learn about now is how everybody got started. Where did you first learn uh, that brewing was something you might be interested in doing and ultimately lead you to starting your brewery?
3: So there are probably two things. We're a winery mostly, and that's our biggest operation. But uh, we found that there are a lot of people who would come out and really they wanted beer. So one person of the the couple of the group wanted wine, somebody wanted beer. And so I am gluten intolerant, and so I decided that we would do only gluten-free beers. And that's what we've been doing ever since we opened in mid-September in 2019. Um, I think that's pretty much it.
0: Very good. And I think that's a great reason because, you know, I, I know people like that as well that, you know, maybe don't care for wine, but do like beer and vice versa. So it is great to have that uh, versatile options available for, for the public coming in. And, and,
3: and for me, it was great that I could actually get a really good gluten free beer on the East Coast. It's oh, been yeah. really hard to find what I think is, is palatable uh, gluten free beer over here in Virginia.
0: Yeah, I, w- I could see that being something. Uh, my, my past before uh, I went to school for marketing and, and photography and things, was I, I worked in the restaurant industry and, and it, it was years before you really started seeing the inclusion of gluten-free options there. Uh, so I, I know lots of customers at, at our restaurant that we had when we started introducing gluten-free foods, they were very happy about that because they would say the same thing it's really hard to find good gluten free options out there that not only are safe for us to eat uh, but also taste good so I'm assuming the beer is probably the same way yes excellent so I guess uh uh, moving through the list here Seth if you wouldn't mind to tell us kind of how you got your start in the brewing industry and what led to the brewery that you're at now
2: yeah, so I started off as a home brewer. I found a bunch of equipment on Craigslist and I was like, oh, it seems like a fun hobby to, to take on. So uh, yeah, started home brewing probably 2013, 2014, um, brewed all the beer for my wedding in 2016. And that's when after that, um, we got some really good reviews on the beer and people were like, you should really think about starting a brewery. So me and two other friends, um, one that I started uh, home brewing with. Um, we decided to put this thing together um, late 2016 and as 2021 before we got finally got open. But uh, yeah, here we are now.
0: That's a super cool way to uh, go about it. I've not heard of anybody actually making their beer for their own wedding. I think that's really neat. And it, it seems like there is a little bit of a commonality of a theme that a lot of people that are operating breweries now started off as home brewers. So I find that really fascinating that, you know, like your story, just finding some equipment on Craigslist, that, that's a cool way to go about it. And I, I think I might have told this story in the, the last episode, but that's a friend of mine and I, we tried our hand at making some cider once. And uh, we found it, there's this company online, we ordered a kit short short version of the story it came out really really badly and to this day I still buy my cider from people that know what they're doing so but I think it's cool that anybody out there listening if they're interested you know they can get their start the same way hop on Craigslist or eBay or somewhere and buy some equipment so thanks for sharing that yeah thank you and Jim we'll come back to you again and see kind of how you got your start where your passion for all this kind of came from
1: yeah, mine started back. Uh, well, I moved out into California in the early '90s and had been in the insurance biz um, since uh, coming out of college. And was kind of looking for something different. And um, a buddy of mine moved out there, and he had been home brewing, so we started home brewing together. It's kind of a similar thing. Where I think every brewer starts home brewing. Um, and at that time, the, the Bay Area was kind of like Virginia has been the last 10 years, where it was really kind of blown up with the, uh, with the whole craft beer industry. Um, And I kind of decided that I, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I was going to go to UC Davis Brewing School and uh, started like a biotechnology uh, program to get some organic chemistry and a few other courses. And when I finished that program, there was a, a job at a a micro uh, Golden Pacific Brewing Company in Emeryville, which is right next door to us. And they were hiring a um, um, lab person to do quality control work. And so I started doing that, trying to, they were trying to pinpoint where they were having issues with uh, contamination, where it was coming in. And it was just a small operation and ended up one of the brewers left there. And so I just started uh, helping out brewing and just Started working in the cellar, doing kegging, filtering, transfers, and that sort of thing. And then slowly moved into, um, into the brewing as well. And um, we took interns from the, Golden, um, not, from the American Brewers Guild out in Davis. And so they allowed us to go out there and take, uh, take courses. So I got the formal brewing um, education at American Brewers Guild. From uh, mostly UC Davis professors, so, um, and then eventually, <laughs> and uh, moved to Blacksburg. And uh, you know, when when Bull and Bones opened, there wasn't a whole lot of breweries in the area, so we were kind of first on the on the scene there, and um, kind of just gone from there.
0: That's great. It's interesting to hear that there's so many like different routes that you can take when you're trying to uh, learn more about your passion and, and kind of build yourself up, like you're talking about these different uh, areas of study that you can concentrate on to assist in different things. And I think that's it's really neat to, to hear about these things and learn about these processes, being someone that doesn't know Anything about your side of the brewery process. I, I know from the consumer side how these things go pretty well, but I guess that kind of leads me into the next topic of discussion, and that is maybe some hardships that you've had to kind of like work your way through or overcome. And that could be stuff that's going on right now. It could be things in the past, but um, thinking of an entrepreneurial side of things. Uh, and like community economic development aspects what are what are some hardships you've overcome and I think on this one if we don't mind uh, Seth would you like to lead your we lead the way on this one yeah that's fine um yeah so
2: hardships getting started um so starting a business with friends sounds you know great uh initially but you know we all have different personalities and different strengths and weaknesses and um settling settling those out and getting things figured um take some time and uh yeah there's people can get pretty heated and um so that's been that's been a lot of it um but we're in a good spot now um and then just getting through licensing and getting equipment set up so we're we were new to this um so we had some other contacts with some other breweries around um that helped us get through a lot of it but getting through the ABC license and getting ready to open. And then all the little um, laws here and there and um, working through town, we had to get the building rezoned um, to be, uh, to be able to produce beer here. And uh, we already had the lease, we had equipment, we were, you know, ready for it, but they had to go through, through the town. Um, They've been great to work with, but it's just, a lot of things. And yeah, looking back now, there's a couple of things that change, but
0: um, and that's actually one of the reasons I wanted to ask that question is because if there is somebody out there listening, that's thinking someday that they want to do this or whether it's a brewery or what type of business is that oftentimes when we're starting something like this, there's a lot of things that Uh, hurdles we have to kind of jump over and through and hoops we have to go through to get to where we want to be and you know it's it's easy to come up with that dream and that idea and then you start going for it and then these roadblocks kind of or uh, setbacks kind of hop up so I'm glad you mentioned those things and uh, gave things for people to talk about so I guess real quickly what might you say to somebody that maybe is wanting to start a brewery and is Going to possibly face some of these challenges. Is there uh, a resource that you found easy? I know you mentioned that some of the other breweries and stuff helped you out. Uh, where would you say that maybe they could start before they pursue this adventure?
2: Yeah, I'd say um, just getting in touch with some other breweries around. Um, that's that's been our best resource. Um, we've gotten some like some of our small equipment. Um, our keg washer um, came from Big Lick. Um, down in Roanoke or Salem or, um, but uh, yeah. So um, so yeah. The the ABC license process was was a headache, um, and it was just like we felt like we were almost done, and then they'd be like, "Oh yeah, and we need this," and it's like oh, just 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 tell us everything that you want at the at one time. Um, but it's not how they were set up. So um, so yeah. And then our ABC agent. Um, for here has been excellent to work with so um, I think a lot of people are like no don't talk to the ABC agent they're scary Um, ours has been great so um, I mean you know I can't speak for all of them um, but they're really knowledgeable and if they don't know anything they get back to you Um, so they've helped us with some events that um, we've been part of and some events that we can't be part of um, after talking with them Um, so yeah
0: that's great. So yeah, thanks again for sharing that, because that kind of information, uh, sometimes just the thought of having to deal with a lot of this stuff for people is too overwhelming. But when you can break it down and learn that there are people you can reach out to, it definitely helps. So so again, I appreciate that. And moving around, uh, Ivan, if you wouldn't mind, to tell us what are some things that maybe were hardships that you feel like are now successes of your business that you've overcome over time? Well,
3: we should start off with that I'm not the brewer. I have someone, a guy named John Hildreth who came to us when we first said we were gonna do gluten-free beer and his wife is Celiac. And so he had been a home brewer and had a a, a set of interesting equipment at home. And he was really excited about taking over our equipment and making these kinds of uh, wines for us. Challenges uh, for us was really that we got inconsistent information from the TTB folks in the federal government and, the, how, do, how do you actually combine a winery and a brewery together? And we just got the completely the wrong information. And we went one way and we're still there. And We wish we could fix it, but we're where we are. Obviously, we started this right before COVID. So we were still experimenting with our beers and COVID came in. And that really put us way behind. And then now it seems to be really doing much, much better. So we're really excited about that. We just did our grand reopening uh, here about uh, three weeks, four weeks ago, and that was really nice, and I think that's really helped us begin launching this again, this this operation. Um, otherwise, no, it's been pretty good. It's growing steadily, and our customer base likes the gluten-free beer. I don't think anyone who tries it can tell much of a difference. We use only um, um, ancient grains, and they are much more expensive than any of the barley, wheat, and rye uh, components. And so in terms of the grain bill, it's probably a little over twice what a regular beer is. So that's a, that's a challenge. And you have to explain that to folks that it's just more expensive to make from uh, these kinds of grains.
0: I would say that could be a challenge, but I think once they understand that process and, and, and the reasoning behind the product that definitely helps a lot. So yeah, congratulations. Uh, I, I can only imagine how tough that would be in 2019, all these high, uh, hopes and, and dreams happening, and then you know March of 2020 happens. I'm sure it did, kind of make it more difficult. So I'm glad you got to do that grand reopening, and everything's going smoothly now. So so congratulations there. And uh, Jim, I guess finally we we land back to you here on hardships that you feel like you had to overcome throughout your processes with the brewery.
1: Yeah, clearly the you know pandemic. We were closed a bit during that. It was it was very difficult. Um, Um, also at the beginning, when we first opened and we opened in 2008, New Year's Eve, actually 2008. So it was right in the middle of the recession and, um, you know, things were very difficult at that point too, where, uh, um, you know, getting a loan at that time was difficult. I know, um, our owners Coburn, um, were maxing out credit cards, you know, rushing to get open to bring in revenue. Um, and that was... That was very difficult. So when we finally got open, it was, it was a big relief. Um, also that first year from a burning standpoint, there was the year of the hop shortage that year where there was um, bad weather, I think, in most hop growing regions. And then there was a big fire, I think, in Washington. And uh, just finding hops that first year was, was extremely difficult. I think I was paying 35 bucks a pound um, that first year. So um that, that was a difficult situation um actually what grew out of that was uh was where the the growers and the um hop and the hop producers kind of came up with a using the contract system more to create a fair price for um the growers and the and the buyers um you, know, you had years where there was an oversupply of hops and the and the price was so low that, you know, the farmers weren't happy. And, and then like the year I was talking about, 2008, 2009, where the, the prices were crazy and the brewers were all upset. Um, so it, it, it created a situation where it was a happy medium where, you know, a, a price was set and um, that was fair to both sides. Um other than that, I wasn't too involved in the you know the business side of opening up. I was I was hired as the brewer, um, but the the thing I recall is just the rush to get open and the difficulty of uh, of the financing in those early years.
0: I can't even begin to imagine what it would have been like trying to open up during you know two thousand eight. I mean, we a lot of people listening probably remember all the things that changed in the world. I, I remember, you know, even gas prices and so many factors were, were going up. So it, it, it made it really tough and I can, I, I'm not sure what the the cost of a, a pound of hops would traditionally cost, but it sounds like $35 was quite a bit.
1: Uh, yeah. Cause now they're in the, the what? mid mid teens, maybe 15 is yeah. kind of average. And then I guess you think
0: 2008, what, uh, 12 years ago, maybe my math's a little bit off, 13, 14 years ago. I mean, uh, $35 14 years ago was worth a little bit more than than it is now. I mean, you could buy more with it. So uh, throwing out that kind of money, um, I could see that being a problem. So uh, especially now how you're saying those prices are different. So. Yeah, congratulations on opening up during that time frame. <laughs> yeah,
1: New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve was an interesting day to have your first day. So,
0: oh yeah, wow. it all turned out well. Well, that's good. I'm glad it all worked out over time, and you know. Thinking about something a little bit more more fun, uh, something that I do like to go with beer, of course, we talked in the beginning a little bit about food, so maybe we could do a little roundtable about some food options people can expect, whether you have like a, an in-house kitchen or if you have like food truck options. And I guess, uh, Ivan, if you wouldn't mind to kickstart us on this one.
3: Yes, we have an in-house kitchen and we specialize in
0: uh,
3: pizzas. And so pizza and beer always works. I think we do very interesting uh, artisan pizzas. We also always have gluten-free options. Then we do uh, charcuterie boards and a few other things. And that seems to satisfy most of our customers.
0: Very nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you can really go wrong with like pizza options at all, especially when you're talking about uh, having that with beer. And then uh, the charcuterie boards is something that I kind of got more accustomed to over the past couple of years or so working with different wineries on projects. And um, you can get very creative with charcuterie boards from what I've learned is, is apparently there's even contests out there where people design the boards and then they can get awarded on them. So I think that's, that's a whole neat world within itself.
3: Yes, and and for us, uh, we're about to open a second building, which will be mostly all charcuterie boards, but all very different charcuterie boards, a Uh Greek, a French, various food options to make it really interesting for our customers.
0: That's fascinating. I've never heard of anybody going and and doing something as customizable like that. So so that sounds great. It sounds like something I'd be very intrigued to come find out more about myself. (laughs) So thanks for sharing that. All right. So let's see here. So, uh, Seth, let's talk about some food options that you have around your brewery. Yeah. So
2: we're just a brew with a tasting room, no in-house food. Um, we welcome outside food from anywhere. Um, you, know, you can cook a meal at home and bring it here. Um, and then on the weekends we generally have food trucks in, um, I try and rotate between, um, I think I have three rotate, three or four rotating now. Um, a couple barbecue trucks. Um, uh taco truck and then um paper dragon they do burgers and uh uh, philly cheesesteaks um they're fun to have here i like to have them out um so yeah our facebook page is more or less up to date on when i have food trucks coming in but it's usually just a friday saturday um
0: that sounds great. I, I know food trucks, they're, they're a unique breed. Like there's just something about the, the taste and the quality of a food truck that you just really can't get anywhere else. They're, they're just very unique. So I've always been very um, envious and, and just really admire the ones that go out there and do that. I think it's neat because you get to take your passion on wheels to a degree. So that sounds like a lot of fun. And then Jim, if you wouldn't mind to give us some ideas of what we might could eat when we're coming to have with your beer.
1: Yeah. So our main, main thing is smoked meats, you know, uh, pulled pork, uh, ribs, uh, wings on the weekends. We also have a prime rib that's smoked. That's, um, very nice. Um, we also have everything, soup, salads, other burgers, sandwiches, um kind of the full range um we you know had to scale back our menu over the last year just staffing and supply chain issues and that sort of thing uh but our our uh, kitchen folk ashley and nick uh are doing like a seasonal menu that came out this past week that are uh, adding some things to our regular menu that will go on and we'll we'll be doing those seasonally so um uh, just a nice variety I would say
0: very nice yeah I mean those those foods definitely have my mouth watering you know it's, it's been a, a bit of time since I've actually got to have some barbecue and I've been craving wings for a while too but uh, I just haven't been out to actually pursue that but I have really one more question that I would like to ask everybody today and then after that I'll just give you the floor to kind of Uh, give some final thoughts that you all might have, but what are some of your, I guess, future plans and and ideas that you have that you're willing to talk about that you would like to see, you know, whether that is um, anything from just expanding the size of your current operations or maybe becoming some type of uh, just a large brand or incorporating new food. What are some things that you would like to have happen? And I guess, uh, Seth, if you wouldn't mind to kickstart this one.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so, future plans. I mean, we're not even open a year um, as of now, and uh, so we're we're still in the baby stages. But um, we would love to expand the size of our location um, sometime. Uh, we're gonna see what how that will work for us because um, we don't want to we don't want to expand too early and expand. More money than we need to, um, but we would love uh, a little bit bigger of a space. Um, we're fairly tight here. Um, if anyone, I don't know if anyone, anybody's been by, but my brew house size is or the brew house area is very small. Um, so it's uh, it's pretty tight. Whenever I'm brewing, I have to drag everything out and set it out in the uh, um, in the tasting room area um, just so that I have room to work around. Um, so that would be, that'd be something, something great to do. Um, aside from that, um, that's about where we're at was our next big goal is to maybe get a little bigger and we'll see where it goes from there.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think that that's something to think about too, is, you know, it, or I try to tell people is, you know, when you're first starting out, it, to really appreciate what you're doing now and always remember it and love it. Cause you know, and growing is fantastic. And one of the things that ultimately that I hope that, you know, is happens to all of us as we get more and more successful, but there's nothing like remembering uh, where where you initially started, Uh, you know, whether that's, you know, the first ever office I had was just this teeny tiny little cubicle uh, years ago in an entry level position. And then now I have an office where I have a window. So just little things like that along the way are just really fun to kind of keep tallies of as you go along. And it just kind of helps you build that uh, feeling of success that you get inside. So that's, that's great. I love it. And uh, Ivan, I guess, what are some plans that y'all might have for the future? I know we heard about this neat charcuterie board idea. Do you have some other things that you're looking to do maybe in the future or or your long-term goals? Well,
3: uh, right now uh, we're a small operation. We really are selling only to people who come and visit We had hoped to be able to distribute some beer, but with the distribution laws, we actually can't make any money selling it through the system. And that's something that we'd have to to really change. Uh, We've been asked by some folks to be able to carry our gluten-free beers, but there's just no way we can do it with the current rules. And so that's that's an issue. But with our new operation, we're gonna be midway up on our mountain here and beautiful views of the valley and, and our facilities. And that is something which we're probably gonna be open sometimes in late June or mid June.
0: Excellent. So I I imagine when uh, somebody comes to your location, they're they're getting to see these views while they enjoy, you know, the food and the drinks that you have. So that sounds like something very unique, a part of that experience. Excellent. Absolutely.
3: And Yeah, we're a destination. You come up and spend the afternoon of the day, yes.
0: Wonderful. Well, that's great to know. I appreciate you for sharing that with us. And I guess, Jim, what are some ideas that you have? What are, what are your hopes and goals that you foresee in the future?
1: Well, I think for Bull and Bones, the the goal is to get our second location in Christiansburg reopened. Uh, We kind of traded off opening and closing um, the different places, keeping one open over the last year and a half or so. Um, And I think that's the goal of summer is with, you know, Work out staffing issues and that sort of thing is to get um, Christiansburg and both Christiansburg and Blacksburg up and running and going again. Um, so, and just keep brewing and <laughs> keep eating barbecue. <laughs>
0: Love it. I think that's fantastic. So, you know, one thing we didn't talk a lot about in the episode is, is the beer. And part of that reason is I want to encourage anybody listening to go and try them for themselves. So I'm going to kind of open up the floor here. So if any of you have any final thoughts you'd like to say to anybody listening, whether talking about some of the different types of beer you have and, and kind of what uh, your customers could expect from that or anything else that you would like to let them know in closing today. And I believe we'll start with Ivan on this one.
3: Well, because we are limited to these ancient grains, but we still make a stout, we make a pale ale, we make a blonde, we make an IPA, and all the the classical kinds of beers that you would see across many menus. Um, And so we'll always also do specialty beers for parts of the season as well. It's like when we do our Maple Festival in, in February, we create a maple beer just for that particular uh, period. And then we also do a lavender infused beer during our lavender season, which is in June.
0: That's very intriguing. I, I like that. I like how you kind of have your beer follow some of the themes that's going on throughout the year for these seasonal events. And uh, a couple of days ago when I was talking to another brewer, Uh, it was the first time that I'd ever heard of somebody using lavender in a beer. And I don't know if that's me just being out of the loop or it's uh, something maybe not seen as often, but I thought that was pretty neat that there's so much different varieties of things that you can use uh, to craft your beer. So I think that's really neat.
3: And the other thing we're going to be doing is actually putting some beer inside some of our barrels as well for our wine barrels. And that will be as we take them out, we do some ports, and that will be quite a, quite an interesting combination
0: as well. Yeah, it will be very interesting. I'll have to try to make my way up there and, and experience a lot of that. So thanks for sharing. And, uh, Jim, uh, I guess if you want to have some final words you'd like to let everybody know and, and maybe kind of give us an idea of some of the types of beers that you have as well. And
1: and Yeah, so we have seven serving takes. Uh, we have five kind of regular beers that uh, – you know, people have their favorites. Uh, then we have two rotating beers. Sometimes we can keg off a little bit and we'll have eight beers on tap. Um, coming up next week, we've worked with um, J.H. Bards out of Farallon, and they gave us uh, some bourbon barrels that we have a dark lager in. Hopefully that's going to be coming online next week. Um, and then uh, we'll probably keg that off and I have a, a Kolsch uh, that'll be coming up after that um so kind of lately tend to be having more german beers (laughs) uh online but uh kind of we do a you know a a nice mix of things um you know you, you know your regular beer that you like is going to be there and then um you know with the two rotating beers seasonals uh you get you get something new coming on so Looking forward to the, the bourbon barrel with, uh, that we did with uh, Jay Smarts next week.
0: Yeah, that sounds really exciting to, uh, um, to try and experiment with these different things. And I, I know myself, I'm more of like kind of in the world of lagers and, and like the darker beers. I like those as well. And it's just kind of like, I have a very specific taste range I like. So it sounds like I could find that range that I like at either one of yours so far, and I'm assuming I'll be able to do that at Seth's as well. So Seth, uh, what what could, uh, types of beers could customers expect to come from your location?
2: Yeah, so we uh, when we first started our whole plan, um, our idea was to have the full color spectrum of beer on um, at all times. So we always want to have at least one dark option, um, one light option and everything in between. Um, none of us are huge hop heads. So, um, we only have, I think I only have, I only have one hoppy option on right now. Um, I have an IPA probably I'm kegging next week. Um, but we try and keep two to three, um, IPAs on at a time. Um, and then I have 12 taps, um, of beer. And then I have a root beer and a lemonade. Um, so some non-alcoholic options um and so yeah we just like to we like to rotate a lot um i have four beers that stay on all the time the rest um rotate so it's usually seasonal i have a fun jalapeno beer um it's a blonde ale so a lot of the jalapenos that i've seen have been dark beers but um the jalapeno blonde is a big hit i do it at the end of summer i get jalapenos from usually my garden or someone else's um throw it in the beer. It makes a fun, unique beer. Um, and then, yeah, as, uh, Ivan mentioned, we have a lot of classic styles. Um, we have a German Hefeweizen, a Porter, um, standard blonde ale. Um, and then we do some, um, I like to experiment around a lot. So I have, um, a blonde ale with some pickle juice in it, which is a fun one. Um, and, uh, yeah, like a California common, which you don't see a whole lot in a black lager. Um, just, uh, yeah, I try and keep a uh, range on and rotate as quickly as I can.
0: Excellent. So it sounds like you got a lot of creative options in there. Uh, definitely some things I haven't quite heard of, but I think it would be very good to try. I know, I guess for me, some of the beers that I've tried, I've liked that were slightly different. Uh, so, of course, I've, I've had experimentations with chocolate beers I personally wasn't a big fan, but there apparently is a market for it. Uh, I really like coffee-infused beers. Uh, That's something I've found that uh, there was a couple brewers that used to exist in uh, Smith County, Virginia, and they worked with a local uh, roaster, Dark Hollow Roasters, out of, I'm trying to remember the name where they're from, but uh, just right outside of Smith County or uh, Marion, Virginia. And they would work with that roaster to get a very special coffee bean to get this infused flavor that was just out of this world. Uh, unfortunately, that brewery only lasted about six to 12 months. I think this was right before the pandemic. Uh, so they didn't—they unfortunately didn't make it through that, but uh, one of the best coffee flavored beers I'd ever tried. So if any of y'all ever want to experiment with coffee infused beers or already do, I'll definitely love to come try that out myself. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate y'all taking some time to talk to me, uh, today and kind of give everybody a little bit more understanding about, uh, who it is that you are and and what you do and what they can expect there. So I guess, uh, I've already checked out all of y'all's websites and I'll include those in the show notes, but if people were to want to learn more about you, as far as, you know, where you do your marketing at and, uh, how you put information out there, uh, what are your most common places they could find that out? Is that like Facebook, Instagram, website, or? And I'll just let y'all jump in like on this one.
1: Definitely all the social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I think uh, is the best place, I think, to look and a website as well.
0: Yeah, it looks like all three of you have wonderful websites. I mean, there's there's great imagery on there, so people can see what they uh, what some of your stuff looks like and your location. They can get an idea of it. And um, I was reading through some of the news and just kind of some blog posts and things around there. And so, yeah, great job for all y'all on the stuff you have on here. Like, it looks like these are fun places to come and hang out. So, I guess you know these like family friendly and, you know, bringing like your, your buddies. And I would assume is how all your locations work out.
2: Yeah, we're family friendly. I have a Taekwondo studio next door. Um, so there's, they do, they have a lot of kids over there and um, we have several regulars that they, they go over there and they do Taekwondo and then they come by and the kids will split a root beer and they'll each have a beer and um, have a good time. And then, yeah, I have, one of my, I have a five month old that was in here cause we were waiting on daycare to start. So she was back, back here behind the bar with me pouring some beer occasionally. Um, so yeah, we're real fam- family friendly and, uh, yeah, Facebook is Facebook and Instagram for us, um, is most up to date with food trucks and new beers on tap. And then our uh, website is updated. Um, should be updated with new beers on tap, um, regularly as well. Um, so, yeah. Um, and for us at Bellevue farm,
3: we are family friendly, but also pet friendly. And so we have a lot of folks, but only outdoors. And we have a lot of outdoor space. We don't allow pets inside, but outdoors, we have many, many folks. And I think the pet friendly part has really helped our business. And that's really good.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I was actually going to ask next, uh, about pets and see if, uh, if dogs were okay. I know, uh, uh, Dave and I have talked about this a lot. We both are, are dog dads and uh, take our dogs pretty much anywhere. So so thanks for sharing about the uh, the pet friendliness. And I guess Jim, so what uh, what kind of experience would uh, customers think about coming there? And also, is is your location pet friendly?
1: We well, you know if we're pet friendly, <laughs> I think we do have an out, outside area. Um, we're kind of, uh, we're kind of a combo. We have a, you know, a, a dining area on one side, and then a kind of a sports bar, more, uh, bar-like area on one side. And off of that, uh, you can move to the outside patio area. Um, but kind of what, whatever you're looking for, you know, if you want to watch the game, there's plenty of TVs and, uh, and also, um, I'm not, a am not a big pool player, but, uh, uh, the people who are say that the tables we have are are, are great, and the, the there's a pool league there if you want to get involved in that. Um, so, a little bit for everybody. I'll have to check into the pet thing, though. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I so would imagine
1: outside it would be okay.
0: Yeah, I know sometimes it can get kind of uh, uh, particular based on if you got food inside. So, typically, if there's a kitchen, uh, I think health codes usually prohibit uh, animals for being in food establishments, but I would sure say an outside place might be a good one. So yeah, I think that's great. And I was actually looking at the picture of the pool table and you mentioned that, uh, on this feed that I'm looking at here, it looks like it's laid up beside of a nice looking brisket and uh, a big old <laughs> beer on the other side. So it definitely looks like a fun spot to hang out. So all of your spots sound great and fantastic to go to. I know when I make my trip up to, uh, Uh, Montgomery County here pretty soon. I I definitely want to be sure to check out all the breweries I've been talking to. And, um, you know, just kind of I get to hear about the passion here on the podcast, but to get to go see it and taste it and just uh, really build upon that experience with all my senses is what the best part of it is. So, you know, I appreciate each and every one of you for coming on here today and, and just speaking to our listeners about you know, how it is you got in this business and and just letting us know some more about yourself and, and the passion that you're pouring into this. So if anybody is listening here today, be sure to go check out their websites. They will be listed in the show notes for their social media and how you can find out more about them. And the next time you're traveling through or going to visit in Montgomery County, be sure to check out each of these three. Wonderful locations. So, once again, thank you so much for tuning in to the, Sa- the Stories from Southwest Virginia podcast. It's been a pleasure. And as always, be safe exploring Southwest Virginia.